Hello and welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Alex Conacher. And I'm Bernadette Ballantyne. This episode we have partnered with Oracle Construction and Engineering to talk about a monumental change that has happened in the construction and engineering sectors over the last 10 years. It's no secret that construction technology has evolved rapidly over the past decade. According to McKinsey, in the five years from 2009 to 2014, $8 billion was spent on digital investments to boost productivity, improve design and optimise project management. But in the following five years, 2014 to 2019, this more than tripled, with investors pouring more than $25 billion into construction tech. And this is increasing year on year. Venture capital investment in construction technology has grown 15 times faster than the overall venture capital sector. We often hear that construction is a laggard when it comes to adopting technology. But in this episode, we'll learn about the incredible challenges facing construction companies as they pivot from famine to feast. We will learn why exactly construction has become the new darling of the venture capitalists, what this means for the future, and what still stands in the way of a truly digitalised industry. But first, we need to understand a bit more about some of these construction technology startups, as well as the industry as it is today. To do that, we need to speak to Jeff Herriman, Managing Director of Ascentage Group. We work principally with founder-led firms to help them to grow, and it happens to be that most of those are in the construct tech space. Most are software firms. A few are hardware firms, but they're all in and around the sort of the built environment. My own background is slightly different. Most of my colleagues are come out of software background. I've actually been on the client side. The client side for Jeff being the end users of the tech, the construction companies themselves. So I worked with a large construction group called Hoktif and afterwards helped them acquire Turner Construction in the U.S., uh, and then more recently was with the WS Atkins Group in the UK prior to the acquisition by SNC Lavalin. So, and along the way, I've had responsibility for strategy, MA, and IT, which is an interesting combination. Jeff helps startup tech companies grow, helps them find financing, with the eventual aim in most cases being acquisition by a larger technology vendor. These new technologies come from across the construction lifecycle, producing new tools for pre-construction, on-site tools and asset management suites. If you look pretty narrowly in the construction tech space, a lot of the software is about how do I improve productivity on a job site? And typically it's a mix of tools that are used in the field by the likes of a project site supervisor and those that are used more broadly maybe in the pre-construction phase, and they could be estimating tools, bidding tools, um, scheduling tools, planning tools. So there's a pretty wide variety of startups out there. At our last count, almost 10,000 startups across the globe. And Jeff says that the construction industry is more than ready for this kind of investment. Well, it's certainly long overdue for investment. I don't have to reiterate the things that have been articulated by McKinsey and others about the historic underinvestment. The basic issue is that whether it be engineering or architecture firms or contractors, they haven't chosen to invest in new technologies. 
In the case of the contractors, they haven't had the margins to invest. So it's been a long-term issue. I think the attraction, on the other hand, to the venture capitalist, and especially what we've seen over the last five years, is that construction is one of those last sectors where there's this opportunity for outsized transformative growth. Opportunities for growth are not there in more technologically mature markets. They require some revolution in the technology or a process before this opportunity comes around again. Construction, on the other hand, is ready for an upgrade. Investors can also see a change in behaviour in the construction industry. The contractors, for one example, realise that you know, they have a problem with skilled workforce. They have a problem attracting and retaining and keeping workers because frankly, it has historically been a very dangerous business and has been a dirty business. Anything that can improve your effectiveness, productivity, efficiency, and you know, potentially allow you to use those skilled workforce more, uh, more productively is now of, of, of keen interest. Because the other side of the equation, the last piece of it, is a huge amount of backlog of sort of underbuilt investment in infrastructure on the on the one side in residential on the second side and so that's a that's a pretty big sucking sound and i think that frankly the outside capital folks see a potential bonanza in not necessarily in investing in construction and engineering firms because they recognize the underlying economics of those firms aren't that attractive but the underlying economics of software and, frankly, hardware, things like robotics and drones that can supplement this industry are pretty interesting. Construction is currently in a classic adoption life cycle, past the early adopters and into a more mature stage, where a wider range of companies are now scrambling to digitalise. But with tens of thousands of startups all offering improvements on tools, Choosing what to bring into your company and into its processes is a problem. For contractors and architects and engineers to suddenly see, you know, a plethora of options and people saying, you should try this tool, you should try that tool, is, is difficult. You've got to have the capability in-house to sort of sort through all of that, make evaluations and decide what to use. So you start to see the beginnings of uh, a set of tools that people can use. But I, I mean, I know that a number of contractors at this point feel a bit of fatigue, right, of having to always be reevaluating and evaluating new, slightly different options that are out there. Larger companies have put a lot of effort into integrating the various tools they need for a project. They have chief investment officers. Smaller contractors and suppliers are also adopting technology for their specific site tasks. But Jeff says it's the medium-sized companies that are lagging behind and need to engage more with the technology. I would say that, that, that it's the same as anywhere else. If you wait until they're already in a nice package, you're already going to be too far behind, right? So that's what the leaders that are, are making investments now are, are, that's what they're anticipating is that even if the solutions that are out there right now aren't perfect, it's better, you know, you can get huge advantages in productivity and in construction quality and in safety by adopting the tools that are out there now. 
And if you wait until everything's there in a package, which I think some firms are frankly sort of sitting on the fence, I suspect that that will be difficult for them longer term. This industry has gotten a, a bad reputation. Everyone's seen that, that graph that I hate, which puts this industry from a technology perspective below hunting and fishing. This is Frank Malangone. He is the executive director of industry strategy and innovation at Oracle Construction and Engineering. But previously, he spent 30 years running the IT systems at the contractor CDM Smith. And the graph he hates is on page 67 of McKinsey's Reinventing Construction Report. It's the first document linked to in the show notes. And I think that graph has always been wrong, all right, because so much of the technology spent has been on the project and, and trying to track truly what an organization spent on technology uh, is next to impossible. But what I, I believe has changed is the industry understands that it has to change, all right, it, for, for a number of reasons. The lack of skilled labor, it, they can't continue to throw bodies at the problem. They have to become more efficient. They have to become more productive. Frank looks specifically at the complexity and size of the construction industry today and says that this investment trend is likely to continue. I used to say that most of that complexity is being driven by the owners. Right? The, the owners are wanting assets that are easier, less expensive, less complex to operate. Right? So that, that complexity is being driven by the owners. But now with, co with COVID, a lot of that complexity is coming from government, from, from regulation. Right? And, what, and, and layering that on top of, on top of the industry. So you have a large industry that's getting more and more complex. And it doesn't matter whether we consider a company worth 2 billion or 200 million. Complexity is all relative. You take a look at that, you look at the skilled labor shortage, and then finally you look at the acceptance of the industry to begin to embrace technology. All of those four dynamics coming together suddenly causes an extremely aggressive investment in construction technology coming into this organism and in, into this industry. So you take those those kind of four dynamics working together and suddenly now we have a very exciting landscape of technology coming into this industry. Frank says that about three years ago, Oracle produced a video on construction in 2030. What the industry would look like in that year according to their best estimates. It talked about sensors, it talked about artificial intelligence, it talked about UAVs, it talked about autonomous equipment, digital twins, all of the technology that a lot of people are talking about now. And in, in three years ago when we released it, we, we truth tested it with a lot of customers and a lot of customers said we were right on exactly exactly where they think the industry is going. But advancing to right now, in late 2021... People are telling us that we need to rename that from Construction 2030 to something like Construction 2024. The pace of adoption accelerated when COVID hit. Construction technology has advanced more than five years in one year. 
but that is the aggregate. Frank feels that there are different types of companies out there as far as technology is concerned. There's the company that understood pre-COVID that the industry was going through a change, all right, in that it was moving from a, a kind of a, a manual, uh, the way we've always done it for the last 50 years perspective, to being really more focused on data. And we saw that, that a few, there were a few companies that were already making that transition. Next, there was a large group of companies that got bought into that realisation because of the pandemic. Right, suddenly, they realised they couldn't do things the way they used to do things, or they, there were new processes that had to be in place, like contact tracing. If I told you two years ago that people were going to be wearing monitors so that they could understand who they were close to if someone got sick, um, you would tell me I was absolutely crazy. But all of a sudden, you know, toward at the beginning of last year, people were looking for technology that they had never thought they'd needed before. And they had to implement that really quickly. So the normal route for technology into an organization pre-pandemic, where the company would do a couple of proof of concepts before scaling up, this was quickly thrown out of the window and you had to bring technology in, quickly understand if it's going to work, and then scale it really fast. So now, uh, as we're coming out of the pandemic, customers have realized the value of being able to bring that technology into their organization and scale it quickly. The other thing is certainly cloud has helped that, right? Because cloud, the, these systems can get implemented very quickly and can scale very quickly, much easier than on-premise systems. Oracle's vision for this is the smart construction platform. It's an environment that brings together the technologies a company wants to use. To ensure end-to-end -end digitized processes and to avoid siloing data, companies need a hub or foundation for the technologies they're implementing. Our vision of Oracle's smart construction platform is one that is built on top of Oracle's cloud infrastructure to ensure the highest levels of security and availability. This is central to the Open Common Data Environment, or CDE, and would span all of our own applications. An open API would allow other construction technology partners to integrate, creating a highly connected ecosystem. It would also make use of machine learning and AI to support decision-making, mitigate risk and update team members on any changes to the project. When it comes to looking to the future, there are a few things that the technology companies are confident about. It will be a growth of innovation capability, but the, you know, the platform will be king. This is Jeff Roberts. He's Director of Energy Industry Strategy at Oracle Construction and Engineering. He points to the Hackett Report as one of the most significant changes in the UK in recent years. The report was written in response to the Grenfell disaster, in which a fire spread far too quickly and destroyed a residential tower block in West London, claiming 72 lives. The Hackett Report clearly identified that there needs to be a golden thread of data so that a piece of equipment understands everything about itself across its life cycle. And, you know, that's really where the platform plays. But across that timeline, innovation will also play a key role. Jeff explains the incorporation of innovation into a platform by imagining the construction of a new vessel. 
Being from the energy sector, he falls back on comfortable territory and picks one design to transport oil and gas. Starts as a piece of flat steel. You can manage it from the steel fabric, the steel mill to the fabricator. So you may have a mill in India, you may have a fabrication yard in Korea, and the ultimate project is in the Middle East. You, you need to be able to track and manage that as it goes through its life. We can do that with RFID capability, pinging off things like satellites and drones and GPS. That's really neat. Then there is urban construction. Then you've got, you know, the built environment where you're actually using IoT sensors across all of the HVAC, etc., air and lighting in a building to reduce the carbon footprint, understand where there's potential problems through AI and machine learning. Air quality is now a key focus that needs to be considered. Air quality. Again, air quality in both construction. If we think about uh, building a, a vertical asset in the middle of a city, the air quality surrounding that is now a key focus. Both dust, you know, hydrogen sulfide, all of those sort of things, key aspect of how that planning has been given. So managing that, understanding, you know, things like, so we've got those sensors, but then we, we also are working with a partner that actually manages deliveries to site, the logistics of bringing the right trucks at the right time into site. Because again, I don't know whether you've ever seen it in large cities, but you don't particularly want a set of trucks all parked up, often with their engines running, creating that, that particulate problem, you know, the, the pollution that comes from them, when in essence what you need is just-in-time deliveries based on a schedule where they can go straight through the access gate. So there, there's four partners that we're working with. If you bring all that data just into our core application, you can, you know, where the materials are, you know, when they should be delivered to site, you know which truck they're being delivered to site, you're managing the air quality. So all of that is coming into one data platform that allows people to make informed decisions. That's what you're trying to do, is, is, is to create informed insight. The data may come from all different sources across the life cycle of whatever project, but is fed back into the platform. There is opportunity to improve the way construction operates and to improve its productivity, but it is difficult to know where to begin. A lot of companies haven't figured out how to start. You know, it's that problem where there's just so much technology coming at them and they're trying to figure out where to start. All right, and, they, and a lot of them think that there's a, a cookbook, that there's a recipe that we can give them to say, you know, you start here and then you keep going and you and here's, here are your steps to get to where you need to be. Unfortunately, it's not that clean. You really need to begin to look and, and go back, back away from the technology and go more to the business issues that are hitting the company at that particular time. Where are the priorities? Right, and then begin to map the digital journey based on the, what the business issues are. And you know, that's one of the reasons we, we're, we're building the innovation labs is 
so that they can come to a place, what we call a safe place, that safe in meaning that they don't have to test things on live projects. See episode number 98, The Construction Playground, for more information on the Oracle Innovation Lab. They can come to our Innovation Lab and begin to test things on our projects and begin to understand how the technology all comes together on, on our projects um, and, uh, and begin to understand how to take that back to their organizations. Unfortunately, as Frank says, there is no recipe to give out for how to digitalize, but he does see one trend, empowering people in organizations who are willing to embrace new technology is a good thing. And that's probably the most important thing. If you don't bringing in a new person that somehow will be your innovations technologist or chief innovation officer, you really need the, the person really needs to have respect in the organization so that as they begin to talk about and, and implement the technology in their organization, there other people have confidence that they that they that this person or these people know what they're talking about. And, and we'll, we'll adapt based on that. For Jeff Herriman, it's also important to work with the experts in traversing the digitalization path. I'd say the one question that I've gotten from the industry pretty consistently from the architects, the engineers, and the contractors is, how can I play this more smartly? How can I get a piece of some of these outsized returns? How can I protect the risk that my business is disintermediated? And I think they'd all love to hear a silver bullet solution to that question, but I don't have one. What I do have for them is a series of opportunities and options that I think they should be exploring. We've heard a lot about the confusion faced by construction companies trying to pick the technology that they should invest their time and capital in. But how do the technology experts make the call? How does Oracle do it? Okay, the first thing is the market use case, okay? This is Sharif Elabd. He is a director of industry strategy and innovation at Oracle Construction and Engineering, based in Dubai. He is explaining the scouting that goes into acquiring or partnering with a startup. If we're seeing a demand on, let's say, construction, worker, safety and productivity, okay? When you look around this topic, probably the technology that it addresses this might be IoT, RFID, AI, etc., etc. But again, when you look at the companies or those startups that they support such a thing, okay, they might not have the bandwidth of serving globally. So they can't cover the US market, maybe their bandwidth of integration or technologists that they can work on integration with our use cases is not large enough. And hence we do the scouting maybe for the same use case, but in different regions because of either the bandwidth, because of the coverage, because of maybe there is a technology limitation on one of the startup technologies. So there are different things that we actually determine how we head into that scouting path. When we do the innovation, we're not really going exclusive or else we would have only limited any development within our own product in that part of the innovation to only Oracle AI, Oracle IoT, etc., etc. We don't go exclusive. And here is Frank again. 
When we look at companies that we would like to be a partner, we look at the value of the data that they're generating and how is that going to help our customers? How is that going to change the process that may have been done manually in the past and how might our customers take advantage of the data that is being generated? How is that technology going to make our customer better? So when we look at, for example, UAV technology that can be run autonomously, you might not need a pilot. It can run on its own. The amount of data and the frequency that you'll be able to generate the data suddenly increases. And that makes a lot of sense for our customer or the end customer, the general contractor, because now they may not have to go to the job site every single week. Now they might be able to use the UAV and manage the job site more remotely. So in the end, we really look at the value of the data that's being generated by the potential partner. Jeff says it's all about the use case. They have to have one, it has to be a pretty much, a, it has to be a standout capability in the fact that it is unique and it's not part of our tool set. It has a use case which is relevant to the construction space. Obviously that that's critical. It has a level of financial backing. So it may have gone through one or two rounds of investment from venture capitalists. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is provide a more rounded offering by having an innovation partner capability. Because we can't do it all, it, you know, nobody has that growth ability uh, and that amount of developers. And th there may be very unique use cases where actually it doesn't make sense overall to do it, but it does make sense to have an innovation partner. For Sharif, it's important to bring the technology experts in early so they can provide solutions based on actual requirements rather than assessments of requirements. But oftentimes we receive the request uh, as burning request is, well, we have a problem in planning, give us a solution. Okay. But we need to get more involved in the diagnosis and understanding the symptoms and spend some quality time with your teams to understand processes and the difference between process and what's implemented on site, because we better give you that solution as a roadmap not just a chunk by chunk. It works really better in terms of digital transformations. So that's actually something that I stress on and I always elaborate on when we're with customers because taking on the firefighting solution most of the time is not really the best when you're considering a long-term plan of transformation within any organization. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media. This episode was written and hosted by me, Alex Conacher. My co-host was Bernadette Ballantyne. Sound Engineering by Ross McPherson. Series Supervision by John Young. And our own savvy investment for the future is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our episode partner, Oracle Construction and Engineering, and also to Ascentage Group. Thank you for listening. You can find Engineering Matters on all podcast apps, on our website, engineeringmatters.reb.media, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn.